Hello, and thank you for listening to the Scottish Centre for Global History podcast. My name is Lauren Cochran, a PhD student at the University of Exeter and alumni of the University of Dundee. I'm talking to Frederick Spielemaker, a postdoctoral researcher at the French Institute of Andean Studies in Bogota, Colombia. Hi, Frederick. Thank you for joining me on the podcast today and agreeing to share your research with us. Could you introduce yourself for our audience? Hello, Lauren. Hello, everybody. Thanks for having me today. So, yes, my name is Frederick Spielmaker and I'm a French historian. And my field of study is uh, the Age of Revolutions and more specifically the Wars of Independence in Latin America and uh, in uh, Venezuela and Colombia. I am uh, currently living in Bogota, Colombia, and as you said, I conduct uh, postdoctoral research at the French Institute of Andean Studies. And today I am going to present some results of my PhD dissertation, which will be the basis, uh, I hope, of the first book I am working on. Thank you for that introduction. So you completed your PhD at EHESS in Paris. Could you provide a summary of that PhD project? Uh, Yes, of course. Uh, In my PhD dissertation, I would say that I investigated three key features of the independence war of Colombia and Venezuela. First, I showed how the Haitian Revolution and the other revolutionary movements in the Caribbean in the 1790s had a deep influence in the independence of Colombia and Venezuela. And uh, I will explain how later in the interview, I think. Then I researched the guerrillas formed by countrymen, Afro-Latin and Amerindian fighters, and where the caudillos, which were military leaders, came from. And finally, I revised the concept of caudillo itself by making a difference between the caudillos, regional warlords on the one hand, and Caesarism, a a more institutional authority on the other. I can say my motivations, maybe not. This would be pretty short. Um, At first, I was not supposed to work on the history of Latin America because my master's dissertation was on the French Revolution, in fact, on the French Revolution in Lyon. But after graduation, I became a French teacher in Caracas, Venezuela, for one year. And then I became passionate about the culture and history of Latin America. And so I decided to dedicate the rest of my studies to it. So that's how I became a Latin American historian. That's really interesting. That's a, that's a great way to come into your project with that kind of academic background um, in education. Could you summarize your project and the main arguments of your PhD project? Yes, well, I will say that First, one of the main elements that I highlighted in my work is the diversity of the participants of the independence and, in particular, the Afro-Latin and Amerindian fighters. For example, in studying northeastern Venezuela, I discovered that three black militiamen and slaves from the island of Trinidad, Trinidad the British colony, joined the independence armies of Venezuela. And this is something that had not been noticed by historiography until now. I also studied two major mixed-race Caribbean leaders, military leaders, Jean-Baptiste Bido and Manuel Piar, 
from the islands of St. Lucia and Curaçao, and I showed how they fulfilled a decisive role for the liberation of Venezuela and Colombia. In fact, both of them were very important for Simon Bolivar, the commander-in-chief of the pro-independence armies. Jean-Baptiste Bidot was pretty close to Bolivar and fulfilled a glorious destiny by saving his life during a battle. On the contrary, Manuel Pierre was Bolivar's nemesis, his major rival in the Republican army, maybe the only one who could challenge his leadership, and he was finally executed for treason in 1870. So what is um, the aspect that I found interesting in these cases? Until now, when one thinks of international engagements in the Latin American wars of independence, one usually thinks of European volunteers, especially the British and Irish, who were well stu studied by Matthew Brown. But the presence of Caribbean fighters was not well known, even though I uncovered it was really crucial for the pro-independence cause. So I think that is something pretty interesting. Amerindians, too, are often overlooked in the understanding of the independence of Colombia and Venezuela. And most recent works mostly focused on their role in the royalist armies. Yet I found that the alliances with the Republican army in some campaigns were fundamental to the final victory and to the very existence of the new republics. So this will be the first uh, argument. I think that's really interesting. Um, talking about your your research, looking into the contribution of these Caribbean and Amerindians in Latin American independence movements, I'm just wondering what contributions you think this research has made to the wider scholarship and um, in relation to kind of filling the knowledge gap. I mean, you've kind of touched on it a little bit, but filling this knowledge gap about the place of those those groups in the larger movement for independence in these states? Well, I believe after conducting this work that we could say that there was a double line of division in Hispanic America in the era of the revolution. What I mean is that there is obviously the opposition between the independentists and those who were loyal to the Spanish monarchy. But meanwhile, there is also an internal division in each camp which is the division of society itself between the elites and the plebs. So that's why I was particularly interested in studying uh, the warlords, because precisely the warlords, uh, who are called also, were also called the caudillos, are at the heart of this division. The warlords are at the heart of the social division of society. Some are themselves from the plebs, others are from the elites, but all of them know that their success depends on how they manage both to incorporate the plebs into their, their armies, to incorporate the Afro-Latin and the Amerindians into their armies, but also to create alliances with the elites too. But the expectations of these social categories are often contradictory. So, that's one aspect that I think uh, I have investigated quite a lot in my dissertation. Another thing uh, I wanted to say is that 
I tried to propose a new interpretation of the authority of these warlords. And these warlords are usually called caudillos. So let's say that for the understanding of the authority of these warlords, their authority is usually reviewed as based on charisma or based on land ownership. In a slightly caricatural way, one could say they have been analyzed in a Weberian way or in a Marxist way. And for my part, I propose interpretation of their authority for practices, studying the practices by showing what were the, the acts for which they constructed their legitimacy. For instance, one of the practices I studied was the formation during military campaigns of juntas de guerra, which means war assemblies or war councils. So these war councils already existed during the colonial period but they had an institutional role. They gathered the elites of a city, military men and civilians, to organize its defense. But during the independence, these war councils became something else. They became places where you decided who would be the military leader of the troop in a given territory, in a specific region, ignoring previous and external hierarchies. So this was one of the ways for countrymen, uh, Afro-Latins or Amerindians to uh, get access um, to uh, a new kind of military and political authority during these campaigns and to become uh, important military leaders, to become officers, uh, both in the Republican Army and in the Royalist Army. And uh, so these are one of the, of the things that I, I studied in, in my work. So that leads me on to the next question about methodology. Um, what would you say your methodology was for this project and what sources that you used to, to pull the PhD together? Okay, so I worked mainly on original written sources kept in different archive centres. One of the important aspects of my methodology is to, in a classic way, to cross sources of different origins, in particular to have recourse both to texts of the loyalist camp or royalist camp and to texts of the independentist camp. So that's one of the important aspects of my research. Sometimes I also use the methods of conceptual history to analyze the change of meaning of certain terms during the period, such as the term caudillo, or that of dictatorship, or that of a republic. And for this research, I used different kinds of sources, mainly military and political correspondence, but also memoirs and judicial archives. Thus, I studied sources such as the correspondence of the Spanish army in Hispanic America, which is kept at the Real Academia de la Historia in Madrid. I also studied documents related to military campaigns kept in the national archives in Venezuela, in Caracas, and in Colombia, in Bogota, and also at the Archivo de Indias in Sevilla, in Spain. And in addition, I also used the sources of the colonial powers that interacted with the Spanish monarchy and with the pro-independence armies 
And so I consulted the correspondence of the governors of British territory, such as Trinidad in the National Archives in Kew, and of French islands, such as Guadeloupe in the Archive National de l'Outre-mer in Aix-en-Provence. So I used all this uh, wide range of sources. The last, so the last kind of sources I also used was uh, the memoirs, the memoirs of uh, local fighters, of Latin American fighters, but also the memoirs of foreign fighters, especially British, Irish, or French fighters, who delivered very valuable testimonies about their participation in these campaigns, and um, who sometimes also bring a lot of information about the local population they met, like about the, the Amerindian tribes that uh, they were dealing with. And uh, so it is uh, also a very useful testimony for uh, the historians. It's a very extensive list of sources um, from a lot of different different languages. Does that mean you were using um, sources in English, Spanish and French? Yes. Yes, yeah. yes, exactly. I used uh, sources in Spanish, English and French. And uh, I have to say that uh, it, takes, uh, it takes some time because most of these sources are handwritten. So you have to take the time to really recognize uh, the letters, the words. So it is, it is a, bit, a bit long sometimes, it's, uh, but it is also really passionating, you know, because you discover a lot of, a lot of new things so, and you discover a very, very different kind of perspective, you know, perspectives from different languages, from different cultures. So I really enjoyed this part of the work, apart from the opportunity of traveling around different places. So this was something pretty pleasant. Was there any specific sources that you came across in the research which you found particularly interesting or important or surprised you when you encountered them? Yes, thank you for, for this question. Um, I could mention several documents. One of the documents I found surprising was a letter written by two members of the Venezuelan elite, the brothers Francisco and Fernando de Toro, members of, of the illustrated but also wealthy slave owner ruling class of Caracas. Since the beginning, the Toro brothers were deeply involved in the fight for independence. However, they wrote this letter at the time they were in exile on the island of Trinidad, and they were extremely pessimistic about the future of the independence movement. So this is a letter I found in the National Archive in Kew, and in this letter addressed to George IV, Prince Regent of Great Britain, they called on the British monarchy to intervene in the war of independence because they feared, not because they are feared only the Spanish, because they also feared a new kind of Haitian revolution that could happen in Venezuela as a result of the war of independence. And they were so afraid that they uh, considered that it could be necessary that Venezuela become uh, part of the British monarchy. So this was really striking, no? because I then realized how much the fear of the slaves from the elites was a key driver in their political decisions. Hence, one of the conclusions I came to is that a social confrontation was taking place in the wars of independence, in addition to the war between royalists and patriots. And uh, to mention uh, another source, 
on a lighter note, I was sometimes surprised by the elegance or even the beauty of the writing in some military correspondence. For example, I will quote a Spanish officer's observation about the independence guerrillas. I quote, I spend my life running these vast planes in pursuit of some groups of insurgents. When I think they are in my power, they slip through my hands like the shadows of a rustic villager's phantasmagoria. So this is a very well-written illustration, I think. And I think it is also an accurate summary of the effects of guerrilla warfare on a regular army. So it, make it, it makes it a very interesting testimony. Yeah, definitely. It's very eloquently put. It's not something that you generally expect from correspondence of that kind. Yes, it, it was pretty pretty surprising and uh, pretty nice to, to find the, this kind of, of writing. And uh, yes, yeah, some, sometimes too, you even find some kind of um, of funny facts. Like I also found the, the testimony of a, of a spy, a Spanish spy who was located uh, in the Caribbean, in the Caribbean island of San Tomas, which was a, a Danish Caribbean island. And uh, he was telling uh, his superior how he was trying to to make the um, the patriot officer he met uh, drunk to uh, to get them uh, to obtain some information. No? So it was it was also something pretty funny that you you can find some sometimes in the in the archives. So to think about your projects in the larger context of your historiographical period, how do you feel that your project changes the way? that we think about your topic? Well, I think that my research makes part of a wide range of studies that enables us to understand that the independence wars of Latin America was not only something made by the great men, if I may say so, not only made by the elites like Bolivar or Santander, but also made by the people in all its diversity, by, as I was saying, the countrymen, the fishermen, the Afro-Latins, the Amerindians, the working people. And uh, of course, it's not only... There are a lot of works that has, have been demonstrating it uh, in the past years, but I think it's still important to, to insist on this aspect of the independence and uh, of the age of revolutions in general. And I also think that something I discovered for my research is that we should not idolize the national liberation struggles, nor the military leaders of popular origins. Because sometimes in some historiography, leaders that the royalist José Tomás Boves or the Republican Manuel Pia have sometimes been described as carrying revolutionary social projects. But I have not found anything like that in the sources. Therefore, it did, no, it did not seem that for my period, the leaders of popular origin had more advanced political or social ideas or less authoritarian practices towards their troops. So, as for me, it is something uh, pretty important to be aware of, of this, the reality of the practices of the military leaders, of the liberation leader, to avoid any kind of uh, romantized version of history, you know. So that's uh, something I discovered that I think is pretty valuable. To me, from what you've said, and your kind of importance on not romanticizing the roles of these military leaders, that your PhD project seems to 
be quite interested in historical memory and how cultures remember these big independence movements. So I just wondered what your mm. thoughts on that were, basically. So how you your project has dealt with the commemoration of these leaders. Yes, well, in fact, I think that the memories are changing too and um, changing for the best because it's true that maybe until, uh, I don't know, maybe until 20, 30 years ago, uh, the national memories were um, really uh, focused on the, these figures of uh, great men like Bolivar and Santander. But in the past few years, and it is also, also connected to the, the social struggles in these countries, no? in the countries of Latin America, there is a broader memory. There is a broader memory which is which is built and which integrates also the women, the many women that participated in these struggles. Uh, I didn't mention it so far, but this is also something that interested me a lot, like how uh, many women from the elites or from the plebs had some uh, important role in the struggles as organizations, as members of the logistic organizations, as spies also, and occasionally in some few cases as fighters too. And this is something that is uh, more and more celebrated in the different countries. Uh, this is an interesting evolution, but even so, even if there is an evolution, there is still this huge presence of a traditional vision of an independence made by some people of the elite. So I think that it is still a struggle that many historians are conducting to change this vision of the, the independence. So, and of course, this has also political effects because it, it has political effects about the way you conceive the nation, no? the way you conceive a national project. So, it is something extremely important that the historians shed light on this uh, diversity of the struggle for the independence. So moving away from your PhD projects, can you discuss what you're working on just now as part of your postdoc? Yes. Well, I am still working on the independence, but on a different different uh, feature of this subject because my current postdoctoral project focuses on emergency measures during independence of Colombia and Venezuela, and in particular on dictatorship. So to understand this subject, one must understand first that the definition of dictatorship for the men of the independence was totally different from ours, because I referred, first of all, to the dictatorship of the Roman Republic. And thus, they referred to a function limited in time, attributed to one man by necessity, in order to organize the defense of the homeland. So even if it seems very strange for, for us, uh, women and men of the 21st century, they had a positive vision of the concept of dictatorship at the beginning of the independence wars. So. It was pretty common during the independence wars of Latin America that military and political leaders were proclaimed dictator to save the republic from it, its enemies and uh, with a suspension of the constitutional powers. And my hypothesis is that the repeated use of such measures by patriots, the, the repeated use of dictatorship measures eventually had lasting political effects 
and in particular, it contributed to the emergence of presidential regimes after the independence. So what I am trying to say on this subject is first to study the, the political vocabulary, the political concepts, to understand how they justify, how they defend these measures, and then to study uh, what were the, the concrete consequences on the field, what were really occurring, and uh, then what were the debates about, you know, what were the, the different, uh, yes, yeah, the different debates, uh, the different conversations that people had around these measures, and how did it nourish a broader debate about how we will, will we organize as Republicans, as patriots, but having to confront with a strong monarchical power who doesn't want to let us being independent. Maybe this is something that you are also dealing with, Lauren, I don't know, studying the independence in the African countries in the 20th century, no? because this is a question you always have in an independence movement. Okay, you have uh, Republican or Democratic goals, but how do you organize in a democratic way or in a Republican way if you have to struggle with a strong imperial power? So, in fact, it is the same question for African or Asian liberation movements in the 20th century and for the Latin American movements at the beginning of the 19th century. So this is a project I am currently working on and uh, this I found it very exciting and uh, I am very happy to, to have the this opportunity to do the this product research project and uh, to present it uh, with you today. That sounds great. How far along in the projects are you? How is it going? Uh, I am just beginning, in fact, because uh, I just uh, arrived in, in Bogota in September. I am just beginning this project. I am also trying to, to create some uh, or to pursue some scientific uh, cooperation. Uh, with the French uh, Indian Institute, uh, with the French Institute of Indian Studies, between Colombia and France, and with uh, other Indian countries too. So I am also dealing with this uh, cooperation project. I am doing the, the both things at a time, but it is a two years postdoctoral contract. So it is a, a good time, I think, that will uh, enable me to, to achieve the, this project uh, in the next two years. Well, I wish you all the best of luck with that. And that is going to conclude our discussion. Thank you so much for sharing your research with us and good luck with all of your future research. Thanks a lot, Lauren. It was a pleasure for me to present uh, my research to the audience. I hope we will meet again and have a further discussion on this subject or other historical subjects.